0: Well, before we come to the sermon, which will be from Acts chapter 13 this morning, we're going to confess the Apostle... uh, Sorry, the Nicene Creed. Nicene Creed, not the Apostles' Creed. Nicene Creed. Um, Which we put next to the service sheets. If you don't have it, it's actually in the the back of the hymn book. Um, The Nicene Creed, before we confess our faith together, is the one creed... Creed, just from the Latin verb, that I believe, um, nice, that's where creed really comes from. It's confessing our faith. That Many of us probably know this creed, and we could probably just say it in autopilot while we're thinking about something else, but I want us to engage our minds and our hearts this morning as we confess our faith together, this Trinitarian faith of the oneness of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And with that, we're confessing our faith in in truths such as the virgin birth, such as the crucifixion of Jesus, his resurrection, his second coming, and that we also believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. And again, that's not Roman Catholic, it's one universal church. So shall we confess our faith together using the, the Nicene Creed? I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only begotten, begotten of the Father before all worlds, light of light, very God of very God. Begotten, not made, of one essence with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate of the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate and suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic Church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Well, shall we turn to Acts chapter 13 this morning? It's a fairly short reading for us. Acts 13 from verse 43. Let me just get there. Acts 13, uh, 43 to the end of the chapter. And, uh, and the title of the sermon is Gospel Progress in Antioch Pisidia. Gospel Progress in Antioch Pisidia. Acts 13, 43. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who as they spoke with them urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles, for so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring Uh, salvation to the ends of the earth and when the gentiles heard this they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the lord and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed and the word of the lord was spreading throughout the whole region But the Jews in sight of the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And in verse 52, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So here we're seeing, as we saw the sermon last couple of weeks ago, the gospel was preached to this Galatian city in the heart of Turkey. But now Paul and Barnabas have to follow things through because imagine uh, the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Wouldn't we like that? How would you respond if the whole of this city were gathering here and we had to say, well, look, we can't meet inside... We're going to have to, we've got two acres of land here. We're going to have to preach the word of God to them in the graveyard. Not that you could get the whole city even in that little area. This is no insignificant working of the Holy Spirit here. So the next Sabbath in verse 44, the whole city gathered at the door. And so what we find is that this is just backed up for us before. If you notice in when they preach the gospel in verse 40... Paul preaches and says, beware therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers. What can we learn from that? Well, I'm not even given the headings of the sermon yet, but it's this. The gospel not only includes invitations to children and to adults and to all of us saying, come, come to Christ for forgiveness of sins. Isn't that wonderful? What a What a promise. How blessed we are this morning to even hear such words. But we're also reminded that the gospel doesn't just come with invitations, it also comes with warnings as well. And so Paul, when he preached, he gave this warning as he preached the word of God and says, Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. How sad it would be for any of us this morning, including children. This is not just something for mums and dads. This is the good news through Jesus coming to you as well. How sad it would be for any of us to walk out of this chapel this morning and to remain unmoved by what you've heard. To have heard these gracious words, to remain unchanged, because there were people there who didn't respond In a good way to this good news. And they have this warning. That Paul says. Beware. Lest you are hardened in unbelief. And he quotes Habakkuk chapter 1. And verse 5. So there are great warnings as well. In the gospel. A little bit if you drive up mountains. Not that I do that. We don't have technically really. Real mountains I think. In this little island. Not compared to probably, you know, like the Alps. I know for the Dutch people, they go, they drive from Manchester, you know, come to the airport and drive from Manchester, Sheffield, and they say, whoa, the mountains here are fantastic. You drive an American across the same journey and say, look at our mountains. They say, these are mountains? No, Kevin, these are just foothills. But if you drive up proper mountains in the Alps, there'll be lots of warning signs to stay on the road, If you veer off, you could fall down a thousand feet down below. You'd perish. How much more with the gospel? To perish, not just to lose, you know, a a few broken limbs, but to lose your life eternally, to be cast into everlasting punishment where there's no more repentance. Ah, some people in the church have said, we got the answer. You think, we've got the answer? And so they've invented a false doctrine called purgatory. That if you die, you go into this temporary place of punishment. And you can, you can even pray for people there. But the Bible says, perish the thought. Such a doctrine as purgatory does not exist in the teaching of Holy Scripture. Today is the day of salvation. That's the teaching of the Bible. Today is the day of salvation but we must preach these warnings. Hell is not some figment of our imagination. No, it's the teaching of Jesus. And if anyone preached that warning without the fear of man, it was Jesus Christ. And it's not hanging that warning over someone, if you don't listen to this preacher and do what he says. No, it's the preacher has no authority to say that. The preacher only has authority... To bring the word of God as it is. And of course God uses men. But the word of God has severe warnings for us. And for us as Christians we all need to walk in the fear of the Lord. Not that we can lose our salvation. If you're saved and God has truly saved you. Praise God. You're saved eternally. Which will come to at the end. And I've got three headings for us this morning. They're so simple. You feel free to take notes. Absolutely. I've condensed it down and condensed it down to three phrases. The first heading is grace. That's what Paul and Barnabas deal with regarding the gospel progress. Or an expanded first heading is to continue in the grace of God. We find that in verse 43. So, the first word heading is grace. I wonder if you're going to think to yourself, if you were preaching and you were in my shoes, what would your headings be this morning? And you're right. You've got the second heading, it's salvation. I know you came up with that salvation. Because notice in verse 47, Paul cites Isaiah and he says, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation. To the ends of the earth. We're part of the ends of the earth this morning. But it's this key word, salvation. So the first heading is grace. The second heading is salvation. And you've probably got the third heading, which is from verse 48. And it says, as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And so the third heading is eternal life. Let that sink into our ears. Let me just say it one more time. The third heading is eternal life. If you're born again here this morning, here's some good news for you. You're going to be living with every other person who's been born again from the beginning of time to the second coming of Jesus and be part of this wonderful family of God. it's just stunning isn't it well let me hold back let's get to our first heading which is which is grace and it's actually from 13:43 what would you do if you've been preaching the gospel and, and then the people are really receiving the word of god these these non-jews they're just saying this is this is wonderful not saying that there were jews who were not converted as well but in, in verse 43 as we, the heading is the progress of the gospel. We find this after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, listen to this for pastoral encouragement, urged them to continue in the grace of God. That's our first heading to hear the teaching of scripture this morning, which is urging you and me scripture is speaking to you and me this morning we have a living word of god do you agree i hope you do this is not a dead letter it's a living word of god therefore it's as if paul speaking to you this morning as you leave the chapel and paul pats you on the back and says uh, dear brother i want you to continue in the grace of god what does that mean for us well It means there's a possibility that someone may not. And as we've actually read the book of Galatians or the first chapter, there were people who didn't, in fact, whole congregation, were departing from the grace of God. If you're like me, one of your favorite preachers in the history of the church is a man called John Newton. Do you like John Newton? You know, he was a slave trader and a friend of mine who was a captain of a ship. He read the biography of John Newton and he said to me, Kevin, I read about John Newton and it appears that there was barely a sin possible that this man did not commit. Can you imagine that? Imagine that, having that on your conscience. I don't know how bad you were before you were converted, but I don't think you were as bad as John Newton. And yet he was born again. And what was the thing that he loved to rejoice in through his life? It was the grace of God. Do you rejoice in the grace of God? He wrote a hymn called Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Our first heading this morning is the grace of God we're to rejoice in that truth, not only that grace saves us, but it's also to do with the message of the gospel as well. The gospel that we believe is not to do this, which is what the Galatians were doing. They started off by grace. They said, I accept this wonderful gospel by grace, and they finished up in their own works, and it became a joyless existence. And so we need to continue in this gospel of grace. Not start off with that journey and then move to the left and to the right and to depart from the gospel. Let's start, let's continue the whole way to our final breath, clinging to the grace of God. I was just reading this week about Ephesians chapter 6, the whole armor of God. And Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones makes this interesting comment that the devil may even harass some Christians even on their deathbed. Can you imagine that, doing such evil things? And there are some Christians that can be harassed on their deathbed. But it doesn't matter. If you're saved by grace, you can never lose that grace eternally. But let's be equipped that we have an adversary called the devil. Which leads us to our next heading, which is salvation. So we've begun to look at the grace of God, and have barely begun, quite honestly, this morning, except I want, to, I want to stir us up with fresh joy in the gospel this morning. Um, listen, I'll let you into a family secret as we get to our second heading. Um, Salvation. It's from verse 47. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So our second heading is salvation. And remember, that's part of the whole armor of God. But before I go there, let me let you into a family secret. I was with some friends of, of ours recently, and uh, and I actually said to them, Because when our children were young, uh, we used to homeschool them. And one of the songs we used to teach them was this, Cutting and Sticking and Praising God. And this family said, that's not the right song. And I said, well, we used to teach our children that. They said, well, they said, no, that's from the Donut Man. I said, we used to love the Donut Man. And they told me the actual proper song is this. um, Is it Dancing and Leaping? The lame man, you know the lame man in Acts 3, and and the donut man of this song, dancing and leaping and praising God. Anyway, listen, talk to me afterwards. And we just shared fellowship about the joy of the donut man for our children. But the point isn't that. The point is this, is that this man got healed and he was dancing, he was jumping up, he was praising God. And my goal this morning is that God's Holy Spirit would give us all fresh joy in the gospel this morning. That it would affect us. Because Paul and Barnabas says here in verse 46, Paul and Barnabas, the following week, as the whole cities gathered at the door, they spoke out boldly saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. That's the synagogue. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. Imagine that. Paul and Barnabas tell these stubborn Jews, not all of them, but many of them, who were rejecting the gospel, he says, you are judging yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Imagine that, spurning the free gift. And turning it away. So Paul says, the Lord commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And Look at this in verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. They cause great joy. Don't we want and desire something of that recovery in our own nation? People seem to be chasing after... uh, We're we're mainly a nation of Gentiles, aren't we? And they're chasing after all so many things. But what about the church? Forget about people outside the doors of the church. What about inside the doors of the church? The key word here, I think, I want to bring out for us is this, this, this word... Paul says that we're going to be sent to the Gentiles to bring to them salvation, to be saved. Salvation. Paul, in his sermon, has already quoted Psalm 2-7, Isaiah 55-3, Psalm 16-10. And now, where's he citing from? It's another of those so-called servant songs in Isaiah 49 and verse 6 where he's saying that salvation will come to the ends of the earth. Paul himself could recount of his own conversion. Think about your own conversion this morning. Paul, his was very dramatic, wasn't it? On the road to Damascus. He was struck down and none of us could have such a dramatic conversion of that. But there's good news there. What about Lydia? He just simply says, and the Lord opened her heart. So let none of us here put ourselves down this morning that our conversion was simple. The fact is, is your faith in Jesus Christ? Do you believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead? If you do, the Bible says, you will be saved. But what about us this morning as we think about this message of salvation? We need to be reminded, just like Paul said, I'm going to turn away from you, the Jews, you've had your opportunity, and I'm going to go to the Gospels, what, uh, go to the Gentiles. What does it mean? Nobody is off limits for salvation now. Nobody. We still pray for the Jews to be saved. But what about us this morning? Do we consider certain groups of people off limits for the message of salvation what about isis this kind of islamic terrorist group do we consider they are off limits not according to the word of god nobody is off limits what about the taliban who've now taken over in afghanistan do we believe they are off limits not according to the word of god nobody is off limits Sometimes even some Christians, they think, well, we we don't bring the gospel to Muslims in, in, in Sheffield because they're Muslims. No, 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 no. That's not the message of the Word of God. Nobody is off limits. And we need to have sometimes a correction in our mind because a barrier of unbelief can come in. Nobody is off limits. Hindus, Buddhists, and whatever they may believe, rank atheists, And so salvation to the ends of the earth. We need to maintain this missionary vision, not simply to the ends of the earth, but in our own backyard as well. And may the Lord give us vigor to testify to that. But notice salvation in our second heading is part of the whole armor of God. Remember how Paul writes in Ephesians 6? And he says, put on to your head what? the helmet of salvation so therefore the devil's going to attack your confidence in salvation and the battlefield will be the mind and we need to hold fast to the grace of god we need to hold fast to salvation and don't let go of it our third and last heading is found here In verse 48, and perhaps 48 interprets the whole of the book of Acts. And it's the third heading of eternal life for us this morning. What do we read in verse 48? And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And notice, listen to this, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. That's a beautiful verse. As many as were appointed to eternal life believe. And actually, there are probably two verses that help us to interpret the whole of the book of Acts. The first verse is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Just before Jesus ascends to heaven, he says, and you will be by witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But the other verse is found here in verse 48. As we see a breakthroughs in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. We see breakthroughs of the gospel in Samaria. The Ethiopian eunuch, remember him. Well, why him and not everybody else? As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. God has a plan in eternity. He has a plan and everything today is happening according to God's plan. Sometimes we can become so focused on the British government, we become so focused on COVID, we become so focused on whatever else will be out there, you know, Joe Biden in America, and whatever else it might be, as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. I'm not saying we don't watch and pray, we do. But everyone whom God has appointed, they will be brought to the Lord. What a wonderful truth. Not only brought to the Lord, our third heading is this, eternal life. Eternal life. Now, the vehicle is is salvation, the message of salvation. We've got to hear that message. The instrument by which we believe is faith, but Even that faith is a gift from God, isn't it? But what's the end of the line? Have you, have you, mums and dads ever taken you to London for a day trip? You know, and you're on the train and you keep on saying, Are we there yet? Well, not really. We just only just left Doncaster five minutes ago. And, you know, you get heading towards Derby or whatever, it's probably not Derby on the line, but are we there yet? No, we've got a long way to go. And finally, you get there, King's Cross. And then you, what, what you really want to see is not King's Cross Station. You actually want to see House of Parliament and Big Ben. So you've still got to go further. But the end of the line for us as Christians is eternal life. It's a word that we've heard so often as Christians. I think it often doesn't sink in in the way it should. Life eternally that never ends what a wonderful gospel this is it's indescribable it's one of those attributes that's described as incommunicable because none of us have ever gone into heaven and so we can't really explain properly what eternity is you catechize your children and say what's eternity child it never ends daddy or mummy or whatever else that's true but it's so much more than that isn't it What a gospel this is. It finishes off in verse 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, as we close this morning, as we've just looked very briefly at, at grace, we've looked very briefly at salvation, we've looked very briefly at eternal life, let's ask ourselves a question this morning. How is your joy level this morning? How is your joy level? Has the devil robbed you of joy of salvation? And if the answer is yes, that you've lost your joy, the answer is simple, found in Psalm 51, where David prays, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. What a wonderful prayer that is. So as we close this morning with those three headings, Of joy, of grace, of salvation, and of eternal life. I hope we can be strengthened with our confidence and assurance of salvation this morning. Because the devil will seek to rob that from us. He can't take it away, though, you know that. He can't take it off you. But he can make you miserable as a Christian, thinking that he has taken it away. And 1 John 5. That our assurance of salvation will be strengthened this morning. 1 John 5, 13. Some of you may have even memorized such a verse. John is aware of the importance of our assurance of salvation as Paul and Barnabas were in that early ministry. But John writes this. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Why? What a precious truth that you may know deep in the innermost part of your being that you have eternal life. Secondly, I want to just bring before us what I've already said how a tr- an understanding of the true gospel. And Christian joy goes together. That this message really, as for myself as a pastor, I want God to do you good this morning and to restore to you and me joy in the gospel. There's nothing wrong with having joy in the gospel. And we see there, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, let's continue in the grace of God. The devil is going to try and, and throw things in to pollute the river. You know, it may be a teaching on the internet you listen to, and somewhere there, there's some polluting forces that are moving you away from the grace of God. You might even be excited about what you've heard, but we need to make sure we're continuing in the grace of God and holding faith this one gospel. And let's put on the whole armor of God, not forgetting one part of the armor, which is to put on the helmet of salvation. And let's hold fast to that. Amen.